0: Of heights to the depths of the
1: sea. It doesn't look very good for Saul. You can see his rebellion, his his stubbornness, a very different life than what we read in David. David had his mistakes, but what was the difference between David and Saul? David repented. David cracked like an egg. David asked God to forgive him. and there were consequences that happened to David even after his sin. but Saul never did that. He never turned, he never turned.
0: Exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky, and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, awestruck with all to our knees. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Saul's army assembled and prepared themselves for battle at Mount Gibeah as the Philistines entered deep into Israel's territory. Because of the profound rebellion against the Lord, Saul was not ready for battle. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled. Instead of taking his fear to the Lord, Samuel made things worse by seeking God's voice through a spirit medium. Strangely, God did speak to Saul, but he spoke words of judgment through an unusual appearance of the prophet Samuel. Samuel told Saul, that he and his sons would die the next day. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study.
1: Oh, But we will have a king over us that he may that we may be like all the nations. We want to be just like everybody else. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So this is the first low light of Saul's t- um, career, is the fact that he was chosen, <laughs> and he was willing to go through with it. I think I would have just, you know, especially under, those, uh, under that pretense, I wouldn't have wanted to be Saul. I think I would have just said, no, thank you. But turn with me now to First Samuel chapter 10. Look at chapter 10. We're going to thumb right through very quickly these chapters, and we're, we're looking at 10 specific lowlights, not highlights, of Saul's career. In first Samuel ten, verse eight, notice uh, this was the command that Samuel gave to Saul immediately after he anointed him king. What did he tell him? You might want to put an asterisk by this verse as well, because this is important. He says, "You shall go down before me, Samuel said to Samuel, or uh, Samuel said to Saul, "You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings." Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now, Saul was a Benjamite, and Samuel was a Levite. Who do you think was supposed to do the offerings? The Levite, Samuel. That's what he grew up, he was under the the tutelage of Eli. That was his job, that was his role in this whole thing, right? Now go to uh, chapter 13. And again, this is the second low light of Saul. Chapter thirteen, verse seven. It says, "And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And then he waited. Notice, then Saul waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal." And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring me a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Is there a problem? He wasn't supposed to do it. Now, was Samuel on time? I am sure the seventh day didn't pass. I'm sure that it was just late on the seventh day. And I think sometimes the Lord allows us to be tested when we when he says i'm going to do something by a certain time and, and if it doesn't come by that time then we take matters in our own hands but you know sometimes the clock is like 11:59 and then he comes through <laughs> have you ever experienced that in your own life where you're you've, you're waiting on the lord and like lord i got to pay this rent I, you know uh, if i don't get the if i don't walk the check up to the landlord and, and like at midnight you know i'm going to get a surcharge and it's going to be and, and the lord at 11:30 you know You you hear a knock on the door, and somebody scuttles away, and you open the door, and there's an envelope with cash on it. And you're like, oh, it's 1130. You had had 30 minutes before your head was rolling. You know, so sometimes these things happen. But Samuel, or, or, or Saul, excuse me, did not wait. And now it happened. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came. Notice, at the eleventh hour, at the eleventh hour and fifty-nine minutes, and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and, and and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. I felt compelled. There you go. Feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Feelings can be dangerous. I felt compelled. I felt, oh, I just felt it in my heart. i just kind of trying to come into touch with my feelings. <laughs> I felt compelled, and I offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he had commanded you. For now the Lord would have established you. Your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you did not keep what the Lord commanded you. So there's Saul's second low light. He wasn't obedient. He was supposed to wait. He didn't wait. What about the third one? Turneth me to chapter 14. We're just going to go right in order here. Look at chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. It was at this time that Saul proclaimed a forced fast on his men until they had victory over the Philistines. Jonathan had started this. He attacked the Philistines, and it, it really started something really wonderful. Um, but, but then um, you know, they had great victory, but Saul made this rash oath, a very rash oath. When you're, when you're fighting in a battle and you've got a bunch of men on the battlefield in the heat of the day, what's the worst thing you could do? Deny them of food and water at least food. It takes energy, doesn't it? And so Saul, feigning to be spiritual, goes, nobody eat anything until we vanquish the enemy. It sounded so good. It sounded so spiritual, but it was deadly wrong. And in fact, it almost got his own son killed because his son didn't know about the fast and he dipped his rod in in a honeycomb and ate it. And Saul found out about it and was about ready to kill his own son. And his son didn't even hear about it. So we see this rash oath that Saul did. And then the fourth low light, low light that Saul did was when, and this was the Rubicon right here. Look at chapter 15. We just looked at this a few minutes ago. This event with Amalek was the last straw for Saul. Saul. Notice in the first three verses, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. And here it is Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. And here's the command a very clear, direct command from God to Saul. Now go and attack Amalek. And here are the the instructions. Utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And now go down to verse 7. And so Saul, he attacked the Amalekites from Havilah to the way of Shur. And he took Agag alive. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. Notice, they spared the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So was that God's command to Saul? No, he said utterly destroy everything, including the king of Agag. Because of what they did to them, To the children of Israel, Amalek is always a type of the flesh, and God is always at enmity against our flesh. And so ought we. We ought to engage in that and not give our flesh one inch. We do, but we need to be very careful. We need to um, be careful of that. So, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret... that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back from following me, and he has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel, verse 12, rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. That's always nice to do. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. And then Saul, Samuel excuse me, went to Saul, and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So now Saul is going, I've done it, I've done what the Lord asked, asked me to do. But Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? He can hear in the background, you know, you can almost see this like curtain, you know, and all these sheep are behind, Bleh! you know, making these noises. Yeah, I, I, I did everything, I, I killed everything. And, and Samuel's is going, oh, what's what the, you know, the mutton behind the curtain? I can hear him back there. What's all that about, Saul? So, all oh, the people, they made me do it. Yeah, I thought I'd save some of them for, you know, for sacrifice for later, you know, to the Lord. And, you know, it was the people. They made me do it. So he does this blame game with the people. And and so, and they didn't kill. We're, we're just going to cruise along here in this. Um, and he found out that Agag wasn't destroyed. And so ultimately Samuel brought Agag out. And Agag is walking very tenderly and saying, surely the bitterness of death is past." In other words, we're good, right? <laughs> I'm here, and I'm kind of like all alone now, and we're good, right? We're just going to kind of let this slide? And Samuel goes, no, I'm not going to let it slide. I'm going to finish what God told Saul to do. And he hacked Agag to pieces. And then he blames it on the people. But down in verse 23, I put an asterisk by this verse let start in verse 22. We read this earlier. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fatter rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And I can't help but wonder if this was a little bit of a, a foreshadowing from what we read about last week with his, uh, Saul's um, flirting with witchcraft, seeking the, the witch at Endor, doing the seance to bring up Samuel, who had died at that time, He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And so this was the straw that broke the camel's back, and then God is basically done with Saul. He's basically done. But then it gets even more twisted, because the fifth low-light I hate to say low light because I'm just going to say highlight from now on because uh, uh, it reminds me of another word that I don't like. So uh, the fifth highlight here <laughs> is Saul seeking to kill David uh, by thrusting him through with a javelin. Remember, David played before Saul because an evil spirit had um, he, Saul had come under the, the the domination of an evil spirit, and whenever David played his harp. The evil spirit would go away, but after um, chapter 17, which is where we read about David slaying Goliath, now we look at chapter 18 and 19, and we see David playing before the king, and David, or Saul is getting so jealous at this time of David, and the fact that he can play, he can he can sing, he can dance, he can you know he he's a great warrior. Everyone's singing about him, and he's just he's like the poster child for everything that's good. And Saul's is just kind of his life and everything is just kind of tanking, because of his rebellion. And so that was the fifth highlight of his life. And not only that, but he had promised, after killing Goliath, he'd promised David to give him his daughter, Mirab. But what does he give him? Or give him Michal, I'm sorry, but he gives Mirab instead of Michal. So he's, not, he's, he's deceitful. He's not a man of his word. And then the sixth highlight was Saul killing Ahimelech and the 85 priests at Nob. Nob was where the the priesthood was, where the tabernacle was. And remember, after Saul had found out that David had gone to Ahimelech in the land of Nob, or in the city of Nob, that Saul questioned Ahimelech and had him come down to Gibeah, where the king was. And he thought that somehow Ahimelech was conspiring against Saul because Ahimelech had given David Goliath's sword, which was behind the ephod there in the house of God there in the, in the tabernacle. And so Saul is insanely jealous. So he kills, he has Doeg, remember, killed 85 priests, including Ahimelech. And one of the guys, one of the young men, Abinad, um, um, I think his name is Abinadab, i have to get there, he got away. He got away, and he actually served David. Actually, that's not his name. I just slipped me. So the sixth highlight was Saul killing. Uh, oh, we we actually looked at that. Sorry. The seventh one was Saul's insincerity concerning David after being spared by David at Engedi. Remember, David uh, or Saul had gone into one of the caves to relieve himself, and David and his men were in the recesses of the cave, and. And then once he left, and David revealed himself, Saul kind of feigned to be. And I think at the time he might have been sincere, but he was he was so inconsistent. He was claiming, you know, "Oh, thank you, David, for sparing my life." The Lord, the Lord bless you, my child, you know. But inside, it was just underneath. It was just on the top of the surface. These comments, these feelings, and the same thing happened again when he was in the at Hakalah in the wilderness of Ziph. The very same thing. David has one of his men go over and Abishai, his nephew, goes over and gets the spear and the cruise of water by or Saul's head and leaves and gets over across the ravine and they call out to them. And the same thing happens. There's this these crocodile kind of tears from Saul saying, David, my son, thank you for sparing me. Now I know that you're a righteous man. Now I know that your kingdom will prevail. And it was all just a a very surfacey feeling again because we know that after that he pursued him. He continued to pursue him. And then the ninth highlight was when Saul consults the medium, the witch at Endor. It was at this meeting, if you recall, that the witch, because of the seance that she was performing, she brought up Samuel. And God allowed it because this was the very evening before. Samuel, or excuse me, Saul and his sons would die in battle. And Saul learned something that night that he probably wished would never, he'd never have heard. He found out exactly what's going to happen the next day. And had he not consulted the medium, which was supposed to be driven out of the land according to the law of Moses, they were supposed to be killed, mediums and spirit, you know, witches and those kinds of things. They were supposed to be um, stoned and rid them out of the land. And here, Saul is going to the woman that he had cast out because God had turned his ear on Saul because of his rebellion. And then finally, during that time with the witch, He, she finally brings up Samuel, and, and Saul answered Samuel through the through the witch. I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Do you see how silly this is? If God has turned his back on you, in a sense, if God has kind of cut off his communication with you, do you think he's going to give message message a message, a different message to one of his servants to give to you? No, that's not going to happen. What should I do? And then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord... And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because, here's the reason, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. In other words, in the grave. You and your sons are going to be with me in the grave tomorrow, Saul. And the Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you will be, you and your sons will be with me. Some have said that this is, uh, this is the only evidence, as far as I know, that someone might give that Saul may have gone to heaven. But I believe that Samuel, what Samuel is meaning here is that Saul and his sons would join Samuel again in the grave, not necessarily heaven. You know, it's conjecture, and we really don't know where um, Saul went. But it doesn't look very good. We know from the Scriptures that there are only two places that once we die physically, we either go to Sheol, which is a, a Hebrew term for hell or Hades, or we go to paradise, also known as Abraham's bosom, or we know it as heaven. There's no soul sleep, there's no intermediate place, there's no purgatory. It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. You can read Luke 16. Chapters of uh, Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, about the rich man and Lazarus. And there you get a really good understanding of this, uh, where people go, even in the Old Testament, when they die. Where did they go? Abraham's bosom is the same thing as paradise. It's the same thing as heaven. Where did the rich man go? He went to Hades or hell. Same thing is true today. To be absent from the body, for us believers, is to be present with the Lord. But if somebody dies unbelieving... They go to hell. They go to hell. And then finally, the very last highlight or low light of Saul's life was in this very chapter when he swore by the Lord to the lady, because the lady is very nervous because she knew that Saul had driven out all the mediums. And so Saul is here, and he is like, um, I, need to, I need you to bring up Samuel for me. And she's like, um, And he disguised himself, so she didn't know who he was. And she's like, "Well, the king has, you know, told us not to do these things, and I don't want to. I don't want to die." So, and he's like, "No, trust me." And then he swe- notes what he says in chapter twenty-eight, verse ten. He says, "And Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord, li- as Jehovah lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing." Now, if God says something, are you going to swear and say that He didn't say it? Because that's really what Saul did. That, that, that's like, really. God told me to, 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 to kill all the mediums, and now I'm going to say, uh, the Lord sw- I swear by God you know, that nothing will happen to you. Well, the Lord had already pronounced judgment on that. So why are you entertaining it? And so all of this leads us up to this last final chapter. And wouldn't you agree with me, as you look at these ten different things, it doesn't look very good for Saul. You can see his rebellion, his, his stubbornness, a very different life than what we read in David. David had his mistakes, but what was the difference between David and Saul? David repented. David cracked like an egg. David asked God to forgive him. And there were consequences that happened to David even after his sin. But Saul never did that. He never turned. He never turned. He continued and continued. And so now we get into chapter 1. It says, now the Philistines... I'm sorry, not chapter 1, verse 1 of chapter 31, excuse me. It says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain at Mount Gilboa. Mount Gilboa is about 16 miles. If you were to look at a map of, of Israel up in the Sea of Galilee, if you go southwest about 16 miles, you'll run into this Mount Gilboa where this battle had occurred. And it's right there in the Jezreel Valley, the valley that we call the Valley of Armageddon. It's a, it's a perfect place for a battle. It's very flat. If you go to Israel with us next March, you'll, we, we go right through all of these things, and you can see it with your own eyes. It's really amazing. And so verse 2, it says that the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Machizula, uh Saul's sons. Notice that his sons were killed first and probably protecting their father, the king.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585 585-